Amen. Please open your Bibles with me this morning. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, continuing our study through this book. Today, looking just at the first ten verses, the title of today's message, My Grace is Sufficient for You. My Grace is Sufficient for You. Have you ever been through a trial or a spiritual battle that continued to persist, that seems to carry on, even though you prayed, even though you, you sought the Lord and asked for relief, you asked Him to deliver, for reasons that sometimes escape us, we, we don't understand, but it seemed that we just continue to, to struggle. The Apostle Paul is going to give us some insight into his own life in this passage today in some of his spiritual battle. And he's going to give us insight as to how the Lord gave him wisdom and gave him understanding as to the purpose of trials. Trials cannot be avoided. Spiritual warfare is part of our journey. But God has promised victory, and God has promised that even in the midst of trial, He is able to work a purpose that is good and fruitful in our lives. And I hope that we'll be encouraged with that this morning as we study together. Let me once again give you a little introduction to the, to the setting of what we're going to read, kind of what's going on in the letter that Paul is writing. Paul is really contending for the spiritual well-being of this church at Corinth. It's a church that he had planted himself. He is the one that shared the gospel there at Corinth, and a church was birthed. He ministered there for quite a while, at least a year and a half, possibly longer, and, and made several visits to the church. And uh, extensive writing and instruction of all the New Testament letters. We have more written to this church than any other church in the New Testament. So Paul has a deep passion for these people and a great love for them to see them do well and to prosper in the Lord. It's a church he loved and invested much of his time, prayer, and ministry into. But what had happened there is that false teachers had begun to creep into the ministry in Paul's absence. Spiritual trouble, troublemakers had come into the church and through boasting and self-promotion, they had actually begun to gain influence and audience and even persuading some to doubt Paul's ministry and sincerity and authority. And so Paul is having to address this and these false teachers had come in and they represented themselves as, as the most imminent apostles, super apostles. And uh, Paul actually re references them as, as we saw in chapter 11, he calls them false apostles. He calls them deceitful workers, ministers of Satan. Strong Right, but still necessary in order to protect 
and they think about the relationship that he has with this church. All we want to see is that Paul's boast is uniquely different than the self-promoting boast of the so-called super-apostles. Paul is going to present himself in stark contrast. And so he really holds up a true ministry. He's going to speak of his struggles. He's going to speak of the perils in ministry. He's going to boast of those things which have caused weakness in his life. Because in that weakness, God has shown himself to be strong. And that's a true mark of ministry, not man's strength, but God's strength, the grace of God. So, remember Jesus, how he conducted himself in ministry. Grace was humble. Grace came in, was faithful in the face of peril and difficulty. Paul said of Jesus in the book of Philippians, he made himself of no reputation. Jesus didn't have himself for nothing. Jesus made himself of no reputation, then in the form of a bondservant. And humble himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So again, the, the contrast, the proud, the boastful, the imminent, they their own mind, or the true disciples of Jesus. We follow his pattern of service and humility. But if you look down, verse 1, Paul will begin, first of all, to speak of visions and revelations. Verse 1, it is countless, not unaccountable, for raising boats. Everybody, he doesn't really want to be doing this. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up in a third heaven. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows. And he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast. If I myself, I will not boast, except in my infirmities. And when I desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I speak the truth, but I refrain. But if anyone should think of me about what is easy to be, or fear this from me. A very good one is boasting. He said it's not profitable, but it's necessary. Paul refers to himself in this, this passage in the third person, I know that. Paul's not even willing to say that happens to me, but rather he was deflecting any kind of self-promoting idea to say, I'll talk about it and say the third person, I know a guy that this happens to. Now we find out later in the passage that Paul is clearly talking about himself. But he uses this, this presentation again just to deflect a personal motion that I might hear. I knew a man, and so of this man, he says, he had the experience. And he was caught up into the third heaven. Notice he says, I don't know if he was in the body or out of the body. And it's interesting that Paul would, would say that this experience was so real. It was so, you know, uh, it was a mystical, spiritual experience. It was so spooky kind of dream. It was as if I was there. I, I might have been there in my body. But I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I was there apart from my life in the presence of the Lord. 
impossible to describe. Some of these heads would not be lawful for them to utter. Then the Lord gave him certain insights that he would need to be faithful in his ministry, but not necessarily for revealing to the public. God had ministering some secret things in his heart for his finishing purposes, but they're not permittable to speak yet. It may be things in the future that God will reveal in time. Paul being very sensitive to that which God trusted to him. You know, it says in, in the Gospels that Mary, after Jesus was born, and having heard the prophecies concerning Jesus, and having seen the early uh, prophecies that surrounded his young life, even as a child, it says of Mary that she pondered these things in her heart. She didn't go around talking and telling everybody everything that she had rather She allowed the Lord to just kind of put these things in her heart. She pondered them. She prayed over them. And I have no doubt that those things became a resource to her when she watched her son go to the cross. I doubt those things were things that she was drawn from and need to face the things that she would need to face in her ministry as a mother watching her son being crucified. It, it may be that God will draw things into your heart. They're not necessarily for you to go or proclaim, but rather for you to ponder and for you to hold on to because they're promises that you're going to need. To be faithful of the things that God's called you to do. The book of Daniel handles uh, a number of things that the angels have been just sealed this up, just for a time in the future. You're not going to understand these things. And you're going to record them and understand that it will be for a later time, a later generation. Knowledge will increase, and these things will come into focus. Many of the things that we can be sharing a lot about the end times, the things that we're beginning to see now unfold. Daniel did not see them, did not understand them. Probably, oftentimes, I believe, keeps certain mystery about himself and about his character and about his nature and about what he's doing. And the book of Job, Job, uh, it's had this experience with the Lord after his struggle and during his struggle. Where God begins to kind of open up a little bit of who he is to Job. Remember, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And he had been described as some of the things that God understands, some of the mysteries, some of the wonder. And so, about perceiving God's majesty and power over creation, Job says in Job 26 14, indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. Not a small whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power who can understand. Even Job understood that the mystery and the majesty of God was just with the edges. Because we can't see fully, we don't really know the fullness of God. I don't know that we'll ever see and know it all. I believe that there will always be something of a mystery of wonder to this God that we know, to this God that we love. Paul, having been to paradise, having seen this place, could have boasted, would have been true, but he does not know it in great detail. Rather simply to let you know, God has shown him many things. Paul really is an example of a humble leader. It's a character trait of all true ministers of Jesus Christ. Not pride, not boasting, not self-promotion, but humility and walking in the grace of God. Remember John the Baptist? He must increase, I must decrease. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, 